I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. Eight years ago, life couldn't have been more different for my guests today. Hannah Barrett worked in finance as an actuary in a fast-paced, high-pressured environment. Fast forward to today, and she is the UK's leading online yoga teacher with a completely different approach to life. Hannah's also a mum of two and the author of Yoga Happy, a beautiful, inspiring book which shows you how to find your energy, reduce stress, get a good night's sleep and even ease a headache. I mean, sign me up. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What what an intro. That was lovely. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's all you. It's, it's, all, it's all what you've done. So well done. It's so good to have you here today. What has your day been like so far? Uh, my day has been, my day started at 3am. I'm not even lying. My daughter had a nightmare. Actually, it started at one when the dog woke me up, but then anyway, and then I went back to sleep and my daughter then woke me up and she had a nightmare. And she literally looked terrified when I walked in her room. And then she was asking me, she's got this, because we moved house like six months ago. She's got this really weird chandelier in her room, which we need to get rid of, has kind of spikes on. And she basically was saying to me, I can't deal with the shadow on the wall. And I was like, there's nothing I can do about this. I can't take the chandelier off at three in the morning. So anyway, I then was like lying with her and calming her down. And so then I think I finally got back into my bed just before five. But you know, when you're wired and you're like, I was like, I'm just not asleep. I just can't sleep. So You've got adrenaline coursing through your body and just thinking this is not a good relaxing situation to be in, is it? No, so that's that's how my day started. But it's sunny outside, so I'm still smiling. Ah, I love the positive. Um, I mean, I was going to ask you what what life is like as a busy mum of two and whether yoga keeps you calm and centred. But um, yeah, tell me, on a day like today when you are knackered and, you know, you've got, I'm guessing, a busy day of work ahead of you, how do you, how do you kind of stay positive? Oh, do you know what? I think it's just worth being real because I think some people sometimes look at me and look at many people online who, are, you know, who, who are on social media and think, oh my God, their life's amazing. Like she is just zen all the time. She's a yoga teacher. I She's am nailed not, life. I, I am not <laughs> zen all the time. Like, you know, we're all human. We're not robots. I'm not a yoga robot. And I know today that I have to be really kind to myself that I'm going to have to be slower because Otherwise, I will, uh, you know, I'll get to the point where I pick up my kids and I'll just be in a really bad mood and I can't, I can't have that. So, um, 
Yoga helps me in many ways. I'm going to, after, after you got off the podcast, I've decided I'm going to take the dogs for a walk and then I'm going to do a meditation and then I'm going to get to my work because I know I'm going to be in a better frame of mind. Um, but you know, when I say have a meditation, that's not going to be like 60 minutes because I don't have time for that. It'll be probably 10, 15 minutes if I can squeeze that in. Cause I think it's really worth being realistic that we all want to start this amazing kind of, whether it's a yoga habit or any habit, and we, we sometimes push ourselves too much and we, we say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to practice yoga every day for 60 minutes. I'm going to do breath work. I'm going to do meditation. I'm going to do cold showers and all this kind of thing. And it's not realistic. And then people fail and we set ourselves up to fail and then we feel bad about ourselves. So my like motto in life is just keep it small. So I'm going to get on my mat today, but if that might be five minutes, if it's more then amazing. But you know, I think. Don't set yourself up to fail before you've even started. That's so true. I mean, I um, I read your book yesterday and I, I was like, I was reading it. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to transform my life. I'm, you know, that classic kind of like American um, teen movie thing where like the protagonist decides they're going to change their entire life tomorrow and become this whole new person. That was me reading your book. And actually what you've just said there makes me realize that's a completely unrealistic expectation to place on myself. And of course, if I tell myself I'm going to become this incredible, you know, centered, you know, yoga person who meditates and practices mindfulness every day and all the rest of it, that's not going to happen overnight, is it? No. It's, it's a constant journey. Like I think I'll always be a student. I'm never, I'm never going to stop learning. But I think what, you know, hopefully what reading the book will have done is just equip you with those tools that might bring you a little bit of calm in times when you need it. You know, you've got three children, two of those being young twins. Like life is chaotic. So you need those things that you can grab that are going to help you wherever you can. Like I feel, and there, you know, you don't need space for them, it, whether it's breath work, whether it's doing a little meditation, whether it's doing some mindful movement. Um, yeah, it doesn't need a lot of time. You don't need space. I think that's the thing though, isn't it? I think a lot of people feel like, but my life's already chaotic and I haven't got time to do all of the stuff that is already on my to-do list. Um, you know, it, I, I did um, um, a post on social media recently, which was talking about all of the things that we have to do in life, whether it's like, um, you know, remember your friend's birthdays, take your vitamins, oh, um, you know, mindfulness, uh, like all of the tiny, tiny little things. It just feels really overwhelming and unachievable. So then you think, right, well, I haven't got time to introduce all of these new things. And you're telling me it's going to make things easier. But when do I find the time? Yeah. Okay. That's a really good question. I'm going to go back to when I was an actuary. So I worked in finance. I had a really, um, I, I did love my job, but it was long hours and at times high stress because I walked, worked on projects. And I was stressed. Like I, I just couldn't, I couldn't cope. And I, I felt like constantly I had too much to do. And I did practice yoga, but like every couple of weeks and I didn't, hadn't really gotten into it at that point. And it wasn't until that, um, just before I fell pregnant that I started a daily practice and started to kind of find these ways to create calm. But I think the things that helped me are, you know, you've read the book, think, what do I want to start with? What sounded the best? And let's say that is getting on a yoga mat because lots of people start there because, you know, that people, whether they want to be more flexible or they want to reduce stress, like starting on a yoga mat is a good thing. So then you've got to go, right, that is what I'm going to make that my priority, whether it's every day or whether it's five days a week or whether it's even three or two days a week, whatever. But then, as I say, start small, start with 10 minute sessions. So 
you can get up 10 minutes earlier. I know, or you can squeeze it in while the kids are napping or something like that. You can find 10 minutes in your day where you, maybe you'd scroll on your phone, you can put your phone down. And that, you know, once you then do that for a few weeks and, and say to yourself, this is my priority because that then will force you to do it rather than going, I don't have time. You will then slowly see how that makes you feel better and you'll want to do it more. And I'm not saying you're going to end up having five practices of an hour a week because as a mum, like I just feel that's not realistic. You know, you've got your own business, you're busy. Um, but what it will do is that sometimes it will be half an hour. Sometimes it will be five minutes and you'll just you'll make time and it will become part of your life. And then from there, you might go, this is making me feel amazing. Let's try meditation or let's try breath work. And then you work it from there. So you start small, start with one thing, small out of time and see how it makes you feel. And that's the thing, isn't it? Because we, we think that for something to be life-changing, it has to be this huge big change, you know, this big you know decision that we make. And actually what you talk about is, lots of really small changes can all add up to making a massive impact on your life, can't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Like it's cumulative, right? If you make a tiny change each day, think what it's going to be like at the end of the year. It's going to be big and you're going to turn around and go, oh yeah, look, look where I was then. Yeah. So you made a really big pivot, didn't you, from a career in finance to what you're doing now. Um, Tell me, what was your life like back then? Um, and what were people's reactions to you when you decided and when you told them what your career change was going to be? Oh, it's a good question. Um, my life was, we lived in central London and we were in Pimlico and I used to walk to work every day and it was amazing. Um, but it was, it was, you know, I'd get up every day at six, I'd be in the gym, I'd walk to work, I'd have a full working day. Sometimes I could leave at say six, sometimes I'd be there till two in the morning. So it was, it was you know, and it like, you know, I'd have a lunch break, but that would be go and grab something quickly, eat my desk kind of thing. Um, and then I suppose like, I suppose in a, in a cliche way, I did have a bit of a realization and it happened when I was pregnant and I think it probably happened. I had a scare in my first trimester with my son, like I had a bleed and I thought, I thought I was having a miscarriage and that was obviously very scary at the time. And I just thought, and my, and my husband was saying, you know, you need to deal with your, you need to deal with your stress levels because I was very stressed about it. And, it, and he had, you know, he hit the nail on the head. And I thought, I do, like, I need to do something. And I started a daily practice by that point. And I did kind of calm it in, in the first trimester, but I, you know, I started doing more breath work and using those tools. And I kind of just had this epiphany that, you know, and then when my son was born and I just thought, I can't go back to what I was doing before. I can't go back to those hours. That's, that's not right for me. And so, but at the same time, I felt like I needed to do something. I, and I'd always had this underlying thing that I wanted to go into the wellness world. And I'd fallen in love with yoga big time by this then. So when my son was, I don't know, he wasn't even a year. I started a year long teacher training, which was great because I could fit it in around him. And I didn't know if I was going to teach, but then, then it all just felt really right. And I did think about going back. Um, because for me, I was literally like, I was at the, do I go back and I go towards partnership and that's, you know, that would be my huge career. And, and I, I made the other choice and, you know, I, lots of people looked at me and went like, what are you doing? And because people really do quite judge you when you're a yoga teacher. And it's really, it's really interesting. Cause then I say, 
I've got a maths degree. I got a first in my maths degree, actually. And then I qualified as an actuary. And they're like, ah. Oh. And I'm like, it's actually, I don't like the way. Now you're taking me more seriously than you were five minutes ago. That's, that's not right. When actually I feel like I am so much of a better person now. And like, I just, this is going to sound really cheesy, but I've like befriended myself. I feel like I, I'm, I'm like happy in my skin and things like that. I feel like so much better now than I was then. That I'm, yeah, anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm babbling. It but. shows, no, you're not babbling. It's really interesting. It shows how caught up we are in, you know, in our culture in status yeah. and money and, um, you know, what we perceive to be achievements and, and what we don't perceive yeah. to achievements. Yeah. And to many, your previous career would have been impressive. And oh, wow, if you were at a dinner party and you were talking about your job, wow, okay, you're clearly a very accomplished person. And if you say, I mean, obviously you've written books, you're hugely successful. But if you were to say, oh, I'm a yoga teacher, you might feel a bit of judgment. Yeah, yeah, you do. Like, But, you know, it's not just everyone. Everyone gets it in all walks of life. And it, it's just, I think we need, a, like, you know, part, part of the yoga practice is really, it's non-judgment. It's not, it's like we are all equal. We are all at one. And actually, you know, when these thoughts come up, when you're talking to someone and they say something and you've just got to recognize, actually, do you know what? I'm judging them now. That's based on beliefs that I've grown up with or whatever it is, these layers I talk about in the book. And um, you've, you've got to try and shed them as much as possible. And I'm saying this, it's it's a constant journey. It's it's hard. It's really, it's not going to happen. As you said, it's not going to happen overnight. But I think if we're willing to, if we want, if we're willing to make the change and want to change and put in the work, then it will happen. So how did you go from uh, doing your yoga teaching qualification um, when your son was very little to having such a big online platform now and writing a book? Because, I mean, there are a lot of yoga teachers out there. And that I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. No, no, like, no, oh, you're, you're ten a penny. But there are. there's loads of people out there who, you know, who are passionate about this. And so how did you go from from that moment to where you are now? It's funny because I always like, I always want to say, you know, right place, right time. It was luck, but it was like, it was hard work as well. I did put in hard work as well. So I, you know, I started teaching one-on-ones really quickly. And then I, I managed to get into quite a good studio, like um, subbing. And then I just so happened to be able to take over someone else's class. And then I started to get in there. And then I, um, and then I joined Instagram that I might have joined it before. But anyway, when I joined Instagram, I, I hate having my photo taken. I find it so awkward. Like when I have to do photo shoot, I just, I like, find it so awkward. So for me, I was never going to be the yogi who in the, who does the photos because I couldn't, I can't do it. And like, that's why you never see photos on my page. So I always did videos. And at that point, there weren't as many people doing it because this is what five, six years ago. And so I basically was like, because I also find yoga really hard. I went into it strong because I loved the gym, but I wasn't particularly flexible. So I was like, well, hang on a second. When I'm seeing these incredible photos and shapes of people doing like, that's not like, how can I help people get to that stage? What can I share? And it's easy to share through a video. Um, so, you know, I was not, I wouldn't say I was the first to do tutorials, but I was, you know, one of them. So then my account just skyrocketed and then I did a challenge and I remember someone big joined this challenge and I literally overnight, I'd like doubled in followers and it just got really, it just got really silly. Like I remember my husband turning around to me at one point and just being like, 
you've got more followers than people who could fill Twickenham. Like, that's insane. And then it hit the, and then in my head, I was always like, oh, it'd be really cool to have a quarter of a million. That was my, that was my, in my head. Cause I just thought that number is just ridiculous. And when I hit that, I was like, okay, right, fine, done. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a strange old world. I then, after I was qualified, I fell pregnant with my daughter. I met a wonderful physiotherapist called Fanola Burrell. And I'd had this idea in my mind for ages to help um, postnatal mums basically go back to exercise, but safely after having a baby. So I, and, and also talk about all of these common issues that we have being a mum, but that aren't really still readily talked about. And what do you do? I basically wanted to educate mums so they understood their bodies and they could help themselves. So Fanola and I wrote a, an ebook together called Strength Free Yoga, um, which did really well, which just, which just gave mums that education because not all of us can afford to go and have a women's health check after having a baby. And, um, and so, yeah, it just, and it, we got signed off by medical professionals. So that was kind of, um, what I fell in love with at that point. And then I had Amelie and, and, and life just spiraled. Um, and when you were pregnant with your daughter, you went through quite a tough pregnancy, didn't you? It was, um, she was, was she born at 35 weeks? Were you induced? Yes. Yeah, so she was born, so she was born early. We, we knew there were issues, um, uh, like just coming out of the second trimester, I was literally having scans like every week or every couple of weeks. And then I woke up in the night and I had a, like, I had a huge bleed and I thought I was having a miscarriage and I was rushed off in an ambulance. And then they, they found out that I'd had a partial placental abruption, which, um, it, the risk of it then fully abrupting is really high. And then there's a risk to both the baby and both me. So then they were like, right, we're going to induce you. And obviously I stayed in hospital at that point. And um, when she was born, she was really ill. So she went into NICU, which is neonatal intensive care um, for three weeks. And the first week was, was, was awful. But she's, she, she, she came out the other side, so it's all right. But it, it, was, it was tough, really tough. Yeah, it sounds like it must have been absolutely terrifying. Um, and you've talked about how all of this led to you being diagnosed with postnatal depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, it was. It's a funny thing when you when you're in this position. You we knew she was probably going to end up in NICU, um, and you you know we th- I thought I was prepared. Like no one can prepare you for NICU life. It's it's oh it's traumatizing to say the least. Um, and you know, she had sepsis, she had jaundice, she had breathing difficulties, she couldn't eat. Like there were lots of things going on at one stage. They were like, we need to do a brain scan. We think there's something going on. So it was really, really stressful. But then the first week was the worst. And then she suddenly turned a corner and she got better very quickly. But you know, we, we left the hospital and she was still four pounds. So she was still very, very small, but we left the hospital. So in my head, I was like, we walk away. So many people don't walk away. And if they do, perhaps their, their child has, you know, life changing difficulties. So inside, I was like, I should be so grateful. And I pushed everything down. And three months into her life, I, I just, I broke. I was like, I can't, it all, you know, I was, I was basically pushing down trauma and it was too much. So yeah, I got help and through therapy and yoga, I got through, but it took a, it took a long time. I think we, we so often have something that happens to us that really affects us. And we, we have this voice in our head that says, but 
there's a war going on or some some something else is happening and yes awful things are happening to other people in the world but it doesn't make our story any less valid any less true and we have to look after ourselves so I, but it's taken me a long time to be able to say that because I you know it was hard it was really hard if anyone yeah. has been through and similar. and on a day-to-day basis how how do you think looking back that yoga helped you you know both when your daughter was in hospital and you were having that awful time dealing with the stress and in the the subsequent months so I have like two mantras in life that I um that I so I journal every day if I if I if I can if I get time to um I and two mantras that I kind of flip between and my two mantras are um be here now and that one is really fitting for when you're in NICU because I couldn't think about past like I couldn't think about what happened because like you know for a long time I had panic attacks when I thought about that night and what had happened because it was just awful I thought she'd gone and then I couldn't I couldn't think about well hang on a second what happens if she does have brain damage what happens if she doesn't fight this infection and all those things so I had to be really present there's a real practice of presence and then my other mantra mantra is don't sweat the small stuff like all of those things all of those small things in life that stress us out you know, we need, we need to try and take a step back and get perspective. It's so easy to say when you're not going through something like that, but you know, the small stuff, let's, let's try and let's try and look at the big picture things. Um, so all of the things that help me are the things that are in yoga happy. So things like journaling, things like when she used to, I used to be able to, when I, when I finally got to hold her, cause actually I wasn't allowed to hold her for four or five days finally got to hold her so I held her obviously a lot and I just worked on my breathing then because I felt I felt like we were both really calm when I was doing you know just simple breathing techniques um and then when I was able to move again like moving was like my medicine like my mat felt like coming home I think I cried the first time I came back on my yoga mat which if you don't understand that sounds so weird but I was just like it was it was weird it was just kind of a um an unleashing of all these emotions, I suppose. Um, and meditation, meditation, meditation has massively helped me through lockdown as well. I don't know about you, but when, when it first started, my anxiety, I got, actually, I got COVID and then it really rose my anxiety. And I was like, I need to get a handle on this. All the things that I usually do aren't working. So I upped my meditation and changed the style I did. And it massively helped. But none of these things are like a quick fix. None of these things are like, yes, you know, try meditating, Alison. Tomorrow you're going to feel like, ah, floating on clouds. <laughs> it takes practice and it's hard because people think meditation should be easy. You're just sitting there. But it is really hard and we often think we're not very good at it. So then we give up. But, you know, two weeks in, three weeks in, you'll notice a difference. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You've got to keep going. Um, I think the one, one of the things that I absolutely love about your book is how you... You kind of bust the myth. I guess I've always seen yoga as a something that's not for me. So I was like, I, I got your book and I was like, well, this book isn't for me, but I'm going to read it. And it, and, and I, I really like um, Hannah's backstory and it sounds really interesting and I'd like to chat to her about it. But I was like, but, you know, yoga's not for me. Uh, and then by the end of it, as I've said, I was like, oh, I'm going to take up yoga. I'm going to become this whole new person. But I think what I loved about your book was that you really explain so brilliantly that yoga isn't just about getting on a mat and throwing various shapes, which I totally thought that's what it was. Like when I go to my gym and there's yoga classes, I actually nearly walked out of a Pilates class once because I, I was sat there on the mat ready to start and a teacher walked in and she was a different teacher to normal. And she said, I've been called in at the last minute, but I only know how to teach yoga. So this is now a yoga class. Yeah. I was furious. I was, I was like, I did not sign up for a yoga class. And I nearly walked out, but I did it and I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) But, but I just really love how you go into so much detail and explain so brilliantly how that's not really what yoga is all about. There's so much more to it, isn't there? It is. And it is about making it accessible. It makes me really sad when people think it's not for me and it's this exclusive club because it's literally the opposite of what it should be. And so, yeah, that makes me really sad. And so uh, that story makes me really happy. Not that you hated the yoga class, but that you loved the book. After like looking at it and thinking, I'm not going to like this. Like, that's amazing. (laughs) And hopefully, you know, and so Fanola, who I was talking about earlier, she practices yoga, but she doesn't practice the physical side of yoga. She just does meditation and mindfulness because that's what she needs in her life. And she loves running and cycling. So you can take from it different things that are going to help you. There are all these tools I think that's, I mean, that that is mind-blowing that you could practice yoga, but you don't even own a yoga mat and you've never done a down, downward dog in your life. I mean, that's, that's mind-blowing, I think, that that's even a thing. Because they always say the point of yoga is actually the point of the poses was to be able to get you seated comfortably so you could meditate. So it's not about being able to float into a handstand. That's not it. Um, and, you know, right. I've been taught by some incredible teachers who can't do these crazy poses. And actually, sometimes the people that have really struggled with the posture side are amazing teachers because they know how it's, you know, they they weren't gymnasts. They know what it's like to work to get your forward fold or whatever it is that you want to get. So, yeah, we need to, um, I need to shout about this more that actually anyone Anyone is a yogi. Anyone can get into yoga. So if someone's listening and they think, I totally identify with what Alison is saying here, um, don't get yoga. Um, what? Tell, tell us one thing that might convince us to give it another go. Oh, that's a really hard question. I just... Look, no, <laughs> I I think... Oh, I'm trying to put this in a nutshell. Like you, you've been to a yoga class and you didn't like it. There are so many different styles there are so many different teachers so if you're like I don't want to do it I don't want to power yoga class I don't want vinyasa I don't want to move loads there's yin there's restorative yoga which basically has loads of cushions and you go into poses it's really nourishing it's really good to balance your nervous system 
And so nice. the, cushions, cushions. Exactly. And you're like propped up <laughs> to the max. So there's always going to be something for you. Like I feel like even, so my parents aren't into yoga, but I feel like I could, I could find a class and a teacher for them that they would really enjoy. So I think whatever you're imagining yoga to be, it doesn't have to be like that. There are so many different varieties. So have a little kind of investigate and think about what do I need? What do I want? And then go, go find it. I've got a new business idea for you, Hannah. You need to create an app where you type in what are the things you're looking for um, and what, what are the things that you need and require, and then you recommend yoga teachers and yoga classes for that person. Oh my God. So it's like a matchmaking service. Do you know what though? I have an app, obviously that's my app, that's a Hannah Barrett Yoga app, and you can search for, so say you're looking for anxiety relief, you search for anxiety relief and you search for all these things. But there are there are a few teachers on my app, but not not loads, but that is a great idea. We just need, because <laughs> as you say, there are so many yoga teachers in the world, like we, there's someone for everyone. And you haven't got time to try every single one before, you know, it's like, it's like dating. You can't date every single person who, who might potentially be a match for you. You know, you've got to have some way of filtering through it. So there you go. Get on it. Get on it. Um, it's fascinating how you describe how yoga influences you in everyday life, um, like bringing you strength and calm. Talk me through how you might react to something today versus how you might have reacted to something, you know, eight, 10 years ago. Okay. Um, well, eight, 10 years ago, I didn't have children. So I didn't know the joy of preschool trying to find shoes and socks and trying to get them to put socks on and then them losing Uh, socks. And I think if you put me in that situation eight to 10 years ago, I would have just walked out the door or just started screaming the house down. Like it just, you know, you know how kids are like, it's just so frustrating. You're like, you literally had your socks five minutes ago. Like where, where are they? Oh yeah. They're literally right in front of your face. Um, and so I find, like, I'm, and again, I'm human. Some mornings I don't deal with it as well, but I try and take a breath. So I always come back to the breath. I've got a favorite breathing technique that calms me almost immediately. And then I can act rather than react. And that is like, that's another phrase that I love because we just taking a pause can really help us think, hang on a second, how do I want to play the next few minutes out? And say you're in the car for example, and someone's cut you up or someone is just being an absolute terror on the road. And your initial reaction might be like road rage. But then you take a moment and you just think, hang on a second, I have no idea what's going on with them. They might have someone in the car who has broken their leg and is bleeding profusely. Like you never know the full story. And until you do know this full story and can know the full story, don't make assumptions, take a breath and react in a way that you are going to be proud of. And, you know, even more importantly to do so in front of children, because you are their models. Like they're going to, they're learning everything from you. So you need to try and be calm. And I'm going to say though, that on the mornings that I do blow up and I start screaming and I'm like, go and find your socks, whatever. I always try. And in the car, we, we always have this silly run that we do to the car, which kind of gets rid of any niggle. So when we get in the car, everyone seems to be a bit calmer. And then I always apologize. And I'm like, I'm really sorry, guys. Mummy's feeling really stressed because we're running really late and now we're going to hit traffic. So let's work as a team and think about what we can do tomorrow morning. So then tomorrow morning, someone's the timer king, someone's the toothpaste queen. And like we, we acted like a team. So I always, because I think kids should really grow up not thinking that everyone has to be perfect because we're not perfect and we've got to get rid of this perfectionism. And unfortunately we live in a culture 
well, like a cancel culture where you say something wrong and everyone like jumps on you. But no, like we, we, we do screw up. Like we all screw up. Everyone screws up and we've got to, we've got to teach children. That's okay. Like let's learn to, to think about it afterwards and say sorry and think about how we can do better. That's so true. That's so true. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that, um, that stressful kind of preschool um, period. It's just, it's a nightmare, isn't it? Um, now, you first started doing yoga when you were trying to get pregnant, didn't you, the first first time round? Um, and you said that stress was a particular problem for you back then. Um, how did yoga help you? So I'm guessing that you were, were you just, were you, were you going along to a class, like a nearby class that you, at that point, or were you doing, just doing it yourself? Did you know enough about it at that point that you could just get on a mat and start, start practicing yoga? Yeah. Good question. So I knew enough about it because I, I had done it before, but as I said, like every, every couple of weeks and in a kind of gym based setting. So then when it got close to my wedding, cause we were so lucky to have a honeymoon baby. Um, I was like, right, I'm going to really get into this. So I started doing more classes and I started, I bought some books and started a self-practice. And then when I fell pregnant, I continued the self-practice, but I got, um, every couple of weeks or every month, I got a one-on-one to show me to make sure that I was modifying correctly and all that kind of thing. And for me, I, self-practice is everything because it, it is really, it's all about studying yourself and befriending yourself, like I was saying earlier. And the best way to do that is by doing it yourself. And whether, you know, there's so many amazing things now. You can do beginner courses, like you, you can do classes online, you can go to classes, but you then, you've got the, the tools then to roll out your mat anyway, even if it's just to do a sun salutation or even if it's just to spend a few minutes in child's pose, legs up the wall and some poses that you know are going to create calm. Yeah, that's such good advice. Um, now meditation, you've mentioned it a few times and, um, you know, referring to like the stress response and you know whether it's something that you're feeling at work because you've got a stressful job or whether it is because you're trying to get the kids out the door in the morning um you talk about in the book about how stress response and how it hasn't changed since prehistoric times which I found so so fascinating tell us a bit about that okay so we have our nervous systems we have our sympathetic and our parasympathetic nervous system and our sympathetic nervous system is our fight and flight and you've probably heard this before, but you know, back in caveman times, there's a saber-toothed tiger and your fight or flight system, your, your sympathetic nervous system kicks in. So what that does, it enables you to, to fight the tiger or to fly away, to not fly away. To run away, fly run away, away. <laughs> run away. So what it does is it like it courses you adrenaline through you. It you know you get all these stress hormones. It stops your digestive system working because you don't need your digestive system work. It like thickens your blood. So if you were cut by a tiger, you would you'd be okay and you wouldn't die. So it it basically shuts the systems down in your body that you don't really need. Or it doesn't shut them down, but it, it like softens these systems. And so. That was back then. And then we have our parasympathetic nervous system, our rest and digest system, which, you know, brings our body back into balance. Basically, you, you start to digest food again and, and all, all by by. But what, what, so life has changed so much since caveman times. You, we are literally hit by stresses 24 seven, like technology is in our faces all the time. Like, and our stress response is still the same as it was back in caveman times. But we can't just turn it off. There's not a switch to turn it off. So we need to learn ways. We need tools to be able to, to activate our parasympathetic nervous system 
to bring us back into balance. Because if we're living too long in this sympathetic state, then, you know, you, you've got things like anxiety, depression, like there are all these kind of stress-related disorders and we want to avoid them as much as we can. So, you know, like the breaths are really good. It, well, meditation you're using, it's such a, it's such a good way of really deeply relaxing your body and bringing your body back to balance. And it doesn't, like research has shown, it doesn't have to be like doing half an hour, an hour every day. Smaller chunks do work as well. But it, again, it's one of the things where you'll probably find that you'll start small and you might get a bit bigger because you realise that actually it's it's a it's a real anchor for you. Yeah. And you've already spoken about how important it is, like thinking about what you're saying to whether it's your children or other people, but our internal dialogue is really important too, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And did, does that resonate with you? Like, you know, the voice inside our head, the way I talk oh. to myself sometimes that I would never talk to you like that. I'd never talk to anyone never. like that. And, never. And I just think we we do need to be kinder to each other, but we need to be kinder to ourselves. And actually, when we start being kinder to ourselves, it's a ripple effect. We, be, we begin to be kinder to others and being kinder to others then shows others actually being kind is a good thing. And it's, it just ripples out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you suggest that when we're talking to others that we ask ourselves three things before we speak, don't you? Yeah, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And I've actually taught this to my children. So when, when, my, little, when my little Jackie Seven is being, is being mean to his sister or I can see he's about to be mean, I'm like, Jack... Can you ask yourself those three questions? And he's like, is it true? Is it kind of necessary? And he's like, okay. <laughs> but anyway, obviously it doesn't work every time, but it's like, I, lo- I like sharing little things like that. And the other thing I share with them is uh, we do gratitude together in the morning, which is so sweet. And they just come, they always make me laugh with their answers, but also some of them, sometimes it's really insightful. It's lovely. That's so good. It's such a lovely thing to be like teaching your kids because it's, you know, it sounds like it's really setting them, give, giving them that real kind of foundation to to build everything else on top of yeah and like so I've used this example before but my son we walked out into the rain this was ages ago and we walked out into the rain I was like oh god it's raining today and he was like but mummy think about it the plants and the trees are going to be really happy about this and I was like oh, look at that that is awesome yes they are Jack. that's so like, good that's so good um, I love it. So you, you, you know, if you, it's these, like, obviously we learn by repetition. And so doing it regularly with them and talking about things like, is it true? Is it kind of, is it necessary? It just becomes part of them. And yeah, it's not always going to work, but it goes back to the point we're human. We all, we all do things yeah. we don't want to see sometimes. We all have big oh. emotions sometimes that we can't handle. Absolutely. Um, now, you know, we hear a lot about mindfulness um, these days, don't we? Um, I'm the worst person for letting my mind wander. So what is a good way? What is a good tip that you've got for me to for me to try to focus on what's happening here and now? And how do you think that would help me? Oh, that's such a good question. I, I'm really excited to answer this question. Look, my tip for you is your mind's going to wander everyone's mind wonders. I know you're thinking that's not very helpful, but it is helpful because (laughs) what I'm trying to say to you is you're not weird. Like we are all in this together. Our minds wonder. And in the book, I've got a double page spread. And, um, there's a, there's a lady called Dr. Tamara, Dr. Tamara Russell, um, and she, she's a neuroscientist and she, she studies mindfulness and she has this like circle of mindfulness. And I, hopefully I'm going to get this right, but when you're practicing mindfulness, works with meditation as well. 
It's really important to have an intention. So why are you doing that? Why do you want to be more mindful? Is it because you want to feel more connected to your life, to your children, or you maybe want to reduce stress? And then also empathy. You need empathy. You need to be kind to yourself. You need to realize we all find it hard. Your mind will wonder and that's okay. And then the circle is the fact that you you go, okay, I'm going to do this laundry and I'm going to practice mindfulness. I'm going to do this laundry mindfully. You start doing the laundry within five seconds, your mind's thinking, oh, what do I need to cook for dinner? You then realize, and that realization is on this circle. You've realized that your mind has wondered and that's great because, you know, 10 minutes might go by and you're like, oh, but actually your mind has wondered and you you haven't realized. So then at that point, you then gently bring yourself back to the fact that you want to be present in the task. And then this will happen. This little loop's going to happen time and time again. And that's okay. But over time, as you practice this, it's going to become easier. And there's a really beautiful book um, by Thich Nhat Hanh. I'm trying to think, is it The Miracle of Mindfulness, his book, where he talks about basically bringing mindfulness into everyday life, but starting small and have a mindfulness Sunday. And on that Sunday, you're going to try and do everything mindful, mindfully. And it's going to be really hard, but you're going to get up. You're going to have a really mindful cup of tea and have a mindful shower and all these things. And you work at it on that Sunday and it's going to be really hard. But the more you practice, the more you realize how incredible this is for your life. And then in no time, well, I'm saying in no time, over time, it's going to become two days. It's going to become three days. It's going to come a whole week. So it's just practice. It comes back to practice. And we think, you know, you think, okay, I want to learn tennis. you're not going to expect to get on that court. And I don't know, maybe you're a tennis player, but say you're not a tennis player. You're not a tennis player. Okay, good good example. Um, You're not expecting to go on that court and be like, oh my God, like the majority of people wouldn't. And so you would expect to put in all these hours of practice and over time it's going to get easier. Exactly the same thing goes for mindfulness and meditation. Brilliant. That that makes a lot of sense. And actually, I think it takes the pressure off, I think. It, it kind of feels like, oh, okay, so I'm not failing massively at this. This is part of the process. And you'll have good, better days and really bad days. And I still do. And I've been practicing a long time where I'm I'm like, oh gosh, why am I thinking about that? Why am I worrying about that? And and my brain's going all over the place. But, you know, that's that's a that's me understanding. Actually, I've got a lot going on at the moment. You've just, we've just got to be kinder to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So if someone's listening and they're like, okay, I think I can do this. I think I can make a small change and work towards, um, you know, this way of life. Um, If they decide they want to wake up tomorrow and make one small change, what should that be? I think, sorry, this is a really bad answer. I think it depends on what they want. I think the easiest change to make is the one that you really want to make. So if you really want to move more, then you get on a yoga mat. If you really struggle with anxiety, then you go maybe to breath work or meditation to try and, you know, really help to balance your nervous system. Or, you know, maybe it's journaling. So I think, you know, you've read the book. What was the thing that resonated the most for you? What were you like actually I'd be most more excited to start that first. So I've just thrown the question back th- at you. <laughs> no, no, it's good. Um, I think for me, it's probably breath work because I really feel like anxiety is something that I struggle with. And, you know, uh, it just feels like quite uh, a sort of simple, achievable thing for me to, to make a start with. Yeah. And you could do that in the car while waiting to pick up the kids or you could do that. Well, you know, you could fit that quite easily into your day. And it's, it's quite a good idea to try and do it at the same time every day. So then it's easier to become a habit. Um, but you could easily prioritize five minutes of breath work a day. 
So I think you just go for the thing that you think I need this the most, or this really excites me because that's going to be the easiest one to make habit. And then you, you yeah. progress step by step. I also, I'm going to look into yoga with cushions because that excites me. I've got some of that on the app. I'll share it with you afterwards. Yeah, I've got some of that. It's so good. Oh, Hannah, it's been so wonderful to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Where can we find you online? Tell me. Okay. Thank you so much for having me first. I, um, hannahbarrettyoga.com, everything is there. So my book's called Yoga Happy. You can buy it everywhere. Um, my, um, app is Hannah Barrett Yoga. It's linked on my, um, it's linked to my website, but you could find it, um, by the app store or Android. And I'm Hannah Barrett Yoga on Instagram. So it's easy peasy. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been great to chat today. Thanks, Alison. Thank you so much. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter pretty litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness it's the world's smartest kitty litter Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.